you're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Kevin D. Randall joining us. He is, I guess, one of the leading lights behind Roswell Research and also the Dream Team, and I'll ask him about that. He's author of a new book called Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Ups. Well, not so new. It's been out for a few months, but it's worth a read. It's a great read, a lot of fun to read, a lot of interesting information. And you may not agree with what he has to say, but you find it quite interesting. Kevin Randall, welcome back to the Paracast. We're always glad to have you on. It's about time. I've been waiting months and months for you to call me. You really have, huh? No, not at all. No, no, he he doesn't know who we are. You know, if I don't write to him, we don't exist. That's right. Exactly. Okay, so you had a bang-up time over at the Citizen Hearing for Disclosure. You were one of the featured speakers. Tell us your reaction. First of all, tell us your... What you did to have such a great time, was it just that presentation, or were you really just raising heck on the well, side? I, I, used, I used the opportunity to make contact with some people that I needed to talk to for my next book. I uh, did what I called my walking tour one morning. I, the hotel was close to the mall, so I went down to see the Washington Monument and the Vietnam Veterans Wall and the Lincoln Memorial and all of that. And it took an hour and a half or so to walk around and see all that. Went up and saw the White House, took a picture of it. So the next time I do something on the Washington Nationals, I have a nice picture of the White House I can use that I took personally. In that respect, it was very good. I I looked forward to it because the book I just handed in was on what what you can find in the government files, Secrets of the Government Files. And one of the people there was John Callahan, who was the FAA inspector, the leader of the investigation of the JAL-1628 sighting over Alaska a number of years ago. Had a chance to talk with him, had a chance to talk to Robert Salas again, uh, talked to John Burroughs and Jim Pendleton about uh, Bentwaters. So I got an opportunity to talk to a lot of the people that I wanted to uh, get some new quotes from and, and, and that sort of thing for the book. So there was, a, in that respect, it was a very good opportunity for me uh, to, to do that. I did a presentation which I talked about some of the things going on in the Roswell case that don't get a lot of publicity and kind of took it in a little bit different direction because I knew that Stan was going to be doing a presentation and Don Schmidt would do one. So I wanted mine to be a little different than than theirs. And, of of course, we each had our own take on where things were going. That worked out uh, really well. Um, And then we did the Roswell panel on one afternoon and Interestingly enough, and Jesse Marcel and and members of his family were on the panel as well. It it seemed to go very smoothly. The only thing was I had mentioned to them, the the former senators and congressmen, that their take on why the Project Blue Book had ended in the content committee was kind of an error and gave them all a short paper that actually appeared on my blog at one point about uh, how the Air Force had manipulated that whole thing. So they had a different take on how the Blue Book came about and ended. So it was an opportunity to exchange some ideas with people, uh, convince some people of of the level of research that that often goes on in UFO research, Um, I mean, the credibility of the people that we're talking to. And we had an opportunity to uh, just discuss things with uh, people and and meet some old friends and make some new ones. Okay, so in terms of Roswell, is there anything that we should know that really isn't getting a lot of attention as we review the case over the years? Well, I think the problem is the Air Force diverted attention away with it with the, the nonsensical Project Mogul explanation. 
And I think that one of the things, in, in, and you'd mentioned uh, before we went on the air, we're going to talk about the Dream Team. One of the things we have done is looked at the Project Mogul stuff very, very carefully to see where, where that goes. And you know, they've always said, well, flight number four was canceled, but they flew a Mogul flight anyway later in the day. And if you read the diary done by Albert Crary, his field notes, and then the, the official diary of the launches, you find out that flight number four was, in fact, canceled. And what they did was fly a cluster of balloons later in the day to test a microphone. So it basically stayed over the uh, White Sands Missile Range area, so it didn't get into restricted or out of restricted airspace. And so the idea that Project Mogul uh, left debris of any kind up toward uh, where Mac Brazel found it is, is just simply doesn't work. You need to reduce Mogul to basically a footnote as a explanation that had been offered, but was it, upon additional research is really not plausible. I want to ask you one more thing here. One of the members of your dream team, Tony Bregalia, has come out with a theory that the Aztec case may indeed have been based on Roswell as just a fork in the road, and that refers to the same case. Well, I I think anybody who's looked at Aztec and looked at Roswell may, may may have come to that conclusion a long time ago. I've often thought that, that that Silas Newton and Leo Jubauer had heard about the crash. I mean, it was in all the newspapers, the, the thing falling at Roswell. And so they just took, took a hold of this idea there was a UFO crash and moved it to Aztec because they were actually in the area, I think, trying to buy loyal leases or sell oil, sell oil leases to somebody in some kind of a scam they had going up there and just plugged, plugged in Aztec. But I've often thought, especially right after the... Um, Roswell stuff began to break, and in fact, when I first saw the the um, Roswell incident book, my first thought was, "Well, this is just uh, Aztec repackaged." And and I think it's it was actually the idea for a UFO crash may have been generated out of the material that came out of Roswell, but really Aztec has no relationship to to the Roswell case at all, other than these guys. It may have given the guys the idea of, of claiming alien technology for their what they called a doodle bug or what they call their their little machine that was supposed to be able to find oil uh, underground. So it's basically just a mechanism, a scheme to take Roswell move it to Aztec and do it for their own personal gain? I don't, I don't think there was ever that much conscious thought about it. Uh, you know, take Roswell and move it to Aztec for their scheme. I think it was the idea of an alien spaceship crash, and they had alien technology that allowed them to invent this machine that would, would be great at finding minerals, including oil, underground. And they set it in Aztec simply because that was where they were... Uh, working at the time. I think Jabauer had been to Aztec a couple of times in early 1948. So I think it, I think it was the idea of, a, of alien technology being involved in their machinery is what was, was important. And the, the Roswell case really didn't figure into it much at all. It was just the idea of an alien spacecraft crash. You could say, I suppose, Shreveport, Louisiana gave them the idea of an alien spaceship crash, even though Shreveport is a proven hoax. Okay, so no crashes in Shreveport. Okay, so why then does a person like Scott Ramsey, who's a bright guy, who's done an awful lot of work on this case, why does he continue to maintain that something really happened at Aztec? And I'll give you a sidelight of this. I had lunch with Scott Ramsey. He was in the Arizona area a few months back, mostly just to do business. He does some business here with his company. And so we sat down and talked, and he said to me, you know, I'm still getting more information. We might update the book with 
some corrections because one of the chapters was apparently the wrong version, a draft version. So they're going to fix that up. He's still doing it. Why? You'd have to ask him. I think that uh, the, the problem with Aztec is it starts with two con men. The story that Ramsey tells in the book is similar to the story told by the two conmen, but it, it, it diverges in a number of places. Um, he quotes in the, in the book uh, um, a police officer named Sandoval, Emmanuel Sandoval, I think it is, uh, as if he's actually interviewed the guy. And the best they've done is they found a relative who thinks Sandoval may have said something about this. So you, when you read the book, you get the idea that Emmanuel Sandoval, who was a policeman, in not not in Aztec, I think the town is Cuba, which is southeast of Aztec, if I remember the map right. And and he was he you get the impression he was there, or he was he was interviewed by Ramsey, but he but he wasn't because Sandoval had had died long before Ramsey got interested in this. Okay, uh, so this was maybe a little bit of misdirection there, which is unfortunate because if you try to quote someone who heard something who heard something from somebody, and it's a couple of places removed. You have no idea what really might have happened. We have Kevin Randall joining us this week. He has a recent book out called Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Ups. I'm going to ask him a few things about that book after we get past Roswell. Coming up in a future episode of the Powercast, we'll explore the book by Richard Toronto called War Over Lemuria. Lots more coming with Gene and Chris, because you end the Powercast. Hey, neighbors, summer is just about here. The weather's great. The kids are getting out of school, or maybe they're out of school already, as they are in Arizona, and there are many places you'd rather be. But even though you don't want to be at work, business never stops. Well, here's the good news. You can escape the office and still stay connected to your coworkers and clients, share ideas, solve problems, get projects done, just use GoToMeeting with HD Faces. This is the powerfully simple way to meet and collaborate online. With GoToMeeting by Citrix, it takes just a click to share your screen and work on your documents in real time. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST for GoToMeeting. Meeting is believing. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. In emergency preparedness, the day of is too late. The day of a tornado, hurricane, earthquake, or act of terrorism is too late to prepare. But what if today was different? 
What if you could do something smart and special to save lives the day of? My friends, today is that day. FreezeDryGuy.com is having a 25% off sale on Mountain House Cans, the world's finest freeze-dried food. With a 30-year shelf life, it's food you can trust and enjoy when you need it most. And today, it's 25% off only at FreezeDryGuy.com. Since 1970, FreezeDryGuy has been your trusted source for survival and outdoors food. Go to FreezeDryGuy.com today for 25% off food your family needs. Or call 866-404-3663. 866-404-FOOD. Today is what counts. Tomorrow may be too late. Have you ever consumed protein powder supplements? I have, and all of them don't taste that good. Have artificial flavors, sweeteners, or unhealthy sugars. About a year ago, I was introduced to a new protein powder that changed my experience. This protein powder made me feel noticeably better, and it tasted more delicious than any drink I've ever had. Here's the experience of one satisfied user named Rich. The term best of all worlds has been belabored to death. And yet I've just discovered a whey protein powder that truly deserves to be called best of all worlds. Best taste by far. Best results by far. You almost feel like you're cheating that something that tastes that good could be so good for you. Thank you, Stephen, and Cocoon Nutrition. One World Way truly is the best of all worlds. The only way for me. Yours truly, Rich from Georgia. Real user, real happy. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris, we've got Kevin Randall, very prolific author. You know, he hasn't written quite as many books as Nick Redfern, but he's getting up there. I'm not talking about his age. I'm talking about his wisdom in his latest book, Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies and Cover-Ups. I, have, I haven't written as many books as Nick Redfern. No, he's Are written about sure 400, about you know, I think. And, of course, Brad Steiger has written 3,000 books. If you're talking about UFO books, it's, it's either Brad Steiger and I who have written the most UFO books. We go back and forth. Right, because what happens here is Nick covers monsters. The last time we had Nick on, we were talking about monsters. See? Okay. We don't count the, we don't count the monster books. And if you count my science fiction books and my action-adventure books, I got, well, no, Brad still beats me because he's got like 175 books he's published. And I'm running around 112, 115. So. All right, well, there you go. You know, let's get back to Tony Bergaglia again because okay. something bothers me about him, not that he has these interesting theories. Okay, he doesn't believe in the Sicaro, New Mexico case. That's fine. Entitled to his opinion. He may have a point here about saying that Aztec is really just repackaged Roswell. All right, fine. Ask him to come on the show. And I gather he claims to be working in a sensitive business without going into details. That's his personal business. But he says he doesn't want his voice to be heard. He's willing to do an email interview. And I think that's absurd. I think, all right, you know who he is. You've read his material. What difference does it make? If we hear his voice, we're not seeing his face. Again, you'd have to ask Tony that. I know Tony is semi-secretive about um, his personal life. And it may be that he does a lot of stuff on the telephone. So if you hear his voice on the radio, 
over the internet, and then you, then he calls you on the phone. You realize he's the um, the UFO guy. I don't know. I don't know why he uh, he does that. I know that Tony and I don't agree on a lot of stuff, but he's a very tenacious researcher. He can find a lot of information about uh, find a lot of information that sometimes we can't get to because he has a lot of additional sources that he can bring into play. So he's he's very tenacious in his research. He and I don't agree on a lot of things. I mean, he and I have argued about. Uh, Socorro. I, I just don't think that his explanation that it was a hoax created by the students at uh, New Mexico uh, Mining and Technology there in Socorro, the, the college or the university there. I don't think he. Um, I, I don't think he's proven that case. But you know, he was, so he has his opinion on that. He and I have argued about it, and we agree to disagree on it. I don't know why he wouldn't come on the radio to talk. <laughs> yeah, I always think maybe what we could do is just distort his voice. You know, change the frequency, make his voice deeper, make his voice higher. It may be, it also may be that, that there are people who can think very well on the page, but if you get them into a uh, verbal discussion, that they're not as eloquent as they could be. And that might be, uh, that might be the problem there, too. He just doesn't feel that he's, he's eloquent enough or articulate enough to do a radio interview. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, who's You've so talked to him on the phone, haven't you? Yes, but that's uh, it's really quite not quite the same thing as being on the radio because you're talking one-on-one to somebody and if you if you flub your syntax or you screw up the uh, definition of a word or mispronounce it, only one person knows. You do it on the radio and literally thousands and thousands of people can hear that mistake. So yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why he, he wouldn't want to come on the radio. Well, I invite you to encourage him. I will do so. Okay, tell him that we're real pussycats here. No, we'll ask him hard questions. And as long as he answers the questions, we can go on with that. We'll accept that. And we're not going to play a little recording that I have. I haven't used it yet, but I was thinking of using it when we reference guests who won't come on the show. It's that of a chicken. <laughs> And I think I'll just aim that at Whitley Strieber. I think he's one of the few people who has said, I'm not going to come on the show. After he says he's going to come on the show, which is confusing. I'm not going to get into that. Let's get back into Roswell. Well, very would you like my Whitley Strieber story? Sure, I'd love it. Maybe this will encourage Whitley Strieber to come on. I doubt, I doubt it, seriously. Maybe um, it will discourage him even further, but I don't care. Go ahead. Back in the olden days, when Jim Mosley was doing his national UFO conventions, you know, somebody would host it and he would show up. And I was invited to talk about the abduction enigma, which had just come out, the abduction book. And I was sitting there holding a copy of the book, and Strieber walked up and he tapped the book and he says, this is not true, and he walked off. That's my whole, my whole interaction with Whitley Strieber right there. <laughs> All right. Well, I know he and Bud Hopkins didn't see eye to eye. I remember... This goes back, I guess, to the late 1980s. I'm sitting in my home, and I get a phone call. Hi, this is Bud Hopkins. I didn't even know he had my phone number. It wasn't listed, but okay, fine. And he told me his feelings about Whitley Strieber that I will, shall not repeat, even though Bud Hopkins is no longer around. It was too involved to get into. I didn't take notes, so it wouldn't be fair. I'd be misquoting a conversation that's, what, 25 years old. And these two guys just didn't get along. You thought, you know, at one point they were sort of working together in the early days. And then they had some sort of falling out. There you go. Back to Roswell, though. Let's get back to Roswell quickly. Back to Roswell, okay. All right, very briefly before we go on. With Roswell, 
Is there anything that your new research, were you looking at this thing as a cold case, trying to put a fresh coat of paint on it, figure out what's going on? Anything you've learned that changes your perceptions or gives us something that's closer to a smoking gun? Well, I think we might be coming closer to the smoking gun on a couple of avenues of, of research. And, and one of those deals, of course, with the Ramey memo and applying today's technology to that that photograph that they didn't have 15, 20 years ago, that we might be able to actually digitize it and come up with a method of reading that paper that is duplicatable by other people. So it's not just, well, this is what we think we see. It's here's what we did to get to this point. If you follow these steps, you may get to the same point. And okay, I need to backtrack here because our listeners oh, are going to say, right. why is he talking about what paper where? Okay, back in 1947, um, right after the Roswell crash had happened, material was sent to Fort Worth, Texas, which was the higher headquarters of the 509 Bomb Group in Roswell. Roger Ramey was the commanding general of the 8th Air Force. There were a series of photographs of him taken in his office on July 8, 1947. So we have, we have a provenance for the photograph. We actually have the um, um, cut line that was sent out with the photograph that dates it. So we, we know precisely when it was taken. We know precisely when it was uh, sent. And we know who's in it because it's Roger Ramey and he's holding this piece of paper. So we know we have a good providence. I, I can't think of a better providence than have the guy's holding the paper so you can see it. The problem is the camera wasn't focused on the paper. It was, of course, focused on Ramey. So the paper is somewhat blurry. There are some words that you can actually read on the paper by looking at a, a blow-up of the photograph. I mean, you don't even need a magnifying glass. Uh, one of the, you can see Fort Worth, Texas, and you can see weather balloons. Uh, I mean, easily see that. So everybody can see that. But the paper was slightly folded. folded. It wasn't straight on. So there's a, most of the message is, is somewhat blurry. You can make out almost words. You can see where the words were. And what they've done in the past is, is using our computer technology, our software, uh, to um, try to enhance that portion of the photograph to come up with uh, what it says. And there's been a long discussion about this. We're going to maybe do a CSI kind of routine here with that paper. We have Kevin D. Randall joining Gene and Chris here in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
Oklahoma reminds us there are many kinds of storms in our lives. Nature regularly sends us destructive storms. 24 hours before a storm strikes, people panic. It would be wise to prepare ahead of the panic curve. The food price storm from drought and livestock problems is forecast to hit ridiculous heights by the end of the summer. Wonder if there will really be a problem? eFoods Direct has a plan to maximize your food dollar and guarantee you will be glad you ordered food. Until June 30th, buy three of any food item and receive the fourth one free with free shipping the guarantee after september 20th when you've seen what happened with food prices and shortages if you're not glad you ordered food return the food unopened for a full refund go to efoodsdirect.com alex or call 800-409-5633 your peace of mind guarantee efoodsdirect.com alex or 800-409-5633 Ouch! My back is out again! Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design Design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I fear I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? On the PowerCast with Gene and Chris, we have Kevin D. Randall, and we're focusing on their dream team and the studies of the Roswell case, and we're focusing on a photograph of a document, and you're using computer enhancement, and I think on TV shows, basically police procedurals or CSI, they are always focusing on some document or something and sharpening it up and making it readable. So tell us more. What have you accomplished Please, so far? That, that is, that, that's exactly what we're attempting to do. 
the problem is usually on those programs they've got a, a little bit better straight on view of the of the uh, whatever they're trying to enhance so that they can they can bring it forward we're dealing with something that was taken on photographic film uh, over 60 years ago and and the paper was slightly turned it was fold, slightly folded it and and it was not the area of focus of the photograph so we're we're dealing with some problems that they wouldn't have been dealing with uh, on, on CSI-type programs. But what we've been able to do using modern software is enhance it. And, and I really hesitate to use the word enhance because that implies we've, we've added something to it. All we've done is kind of sharpen the image, focus on the image, so that we can read it a little bit better. And we're to the point where um, we, think we've, we think we've got something fairly interesting going on, but we've got, to, uh, we've got additional steps to take. So you know, it, we're, we're, we're getting to the point where we can read a little bit more of it, a little bit, understand it a little bit better, and if, if certain phrases pop up, then, then we've got, we've got uh, some very, very persuasive evidence. The other problem we have is uh, too often priming comes into play, and priming is a psychological term, which means that you set somebody up to see something by, by suggesting it to them. And uh, Jim Horan and I had done an experiment back in the 1990s in which we used that document, the Ramey Memo, and to three different groups, a control group, a group that was told that this has something to do with Roswell, and a group that says this has something to do with atomic uh, weaponry, and, and then asked the, 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 the subjects to see what they could make out on it. And the priming did, did influence them by telling them it was something to do with atomic weaponry. They saw things in the memo that suggested that to them. And so um, there, were, there were areas where we got good agreement on what the words were. People could see the words, and they all agreed on it. And other places where, depending on the group they were in, they, they saw things. Uh, the word that comes to mind is flash, which I don't think is in the, in the, mem in the memo at all. But the, the atomic weaponry group saw the word flash in there somewhere, like an atomic flash when the bomb went off. So we, we, we were trying to trying to compensate for all of that, meaning simply we, we're trying to make sure we're not, we're not engaged in priming, we're not engaged in um, leading the, the people doing the research for us in a, in a direction. So we're, we're, we're making some progress, and, and we hope to, uh, hope to have some very definitive results. We've, we've got some good, good results, and some people are sharpening the images a little bit. So we're, so we're working in that direction, and once we get that all put together, we'll release exactly what we've done and how we've done it and how we got to this point so that everybody can see the steps we took to get there and then then begin then then the skeptics can begin to pick it apart well the thing i'm going to ask here is can you say anything at all or give us a hint where this is going argument, or is it too premature well but we're a little bit premature but the argument has always been about a key phrase called victims of the wreck which is in the first line of the Remy memo if it says victims of the wreck that's pretty pretty persuasive evidence that that, that we're dealing with something that, that crashed and there were there were victims of it if it says remains of the wreck, well, that's something else again, because you, remains could, in fact, be the weather balloon that, that was recovered. Uh, victims implies there was occupants. Uh, remains doesn't, doesn't make that implication. So we're focusing on, on that phrase, and I think everybody knows we've been focusing on that phrase. And there's another couple of key phrases um, that relate to uh, the shape of the object. So we're just, we're just attempting to, to sharpen, sharpen that up in a way that we do not add anything to what all we're doing is clarifying what the message says and and unfortunately in the csi programs they always they can always just focus right in on the thing and bring up the most obscure detail and it's 
this just isn't working quite that well. Of course, on the CSI program, you have 43 minutes to get it all done, a case that may and, take days or weeks or months to resolve. Let me just and, ask you and, and 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 they have access to technology that doesn't even exist yet. Well, you know, they deal with the people over at Area 51. They consult. I mean, this is a show about Las Vegas criminal <laughs> investigations. So they've got Area 51 over there. I, they, I had not thought of that, yes. And you have people like powerhouse producers like Jerry Bruckheimer, who's responsible for that show. So he calls up somebody at the NSA and says, let's have some new inventions here. Of course, you look at how the government knows about us anyway. Look at Person of Interest. Ever see that show? No. You've no, heard about I, it? Yeah, I know what it is, yes. Okay. So that's science fiction, I guess. The guy builds this computer that sees everything and knows everything, but there's a back door that spits out information about people who may be in trouble because they will be victims of a crime or will commit a crime, and therefore you have these two people played by Michael Emerson and Jim Caviezel who go out and save them. Well, there used to be a program on a number of years ago where the guy got tomorrow's newspaper today, and so he would go through it and save people from crimes and things like that. He, I, uh, the early edition was, it was what it was called, and he just happened to get, he'd get the, the uh, next day's newspaper a day early um, through some kind of time warp, and so he could go out and do that. So it's this, I get the same thing. You know, let me just ask you the devil's advocate question yes. before we split for this segment. And that is, okay, so we talk about the possibility that this memo is speaking of wreckage. Why not a crashed test aircraft? Because the Air Force told us that there was nothing that fell in that time frame. There's nothing that was classified in 1947 that we don't know about today in, in the terms of, of um, uh, experimentation with new aircraft. And, and the Air Force looked into that in 1995 and said that there was nothing like that. If, if, if it was a test aircraft that crashed in 1947, Seven. What what sort of technology would have been in that would, that that uh, wouldn't have already been deployed in some fashion so that the, our adversaries in the world would know about it? Second of all, it would be so far outdated by our technological leaps that it would be virtually useless. Uh, the same thing with rockets. We have a listing. I have a listing of all the rockets fired from White Sands Missile Range uh, through the mid 1950s, and, and they're all accounted for. There's nothing missing from from the record. So we can look at the, the records, we can look at the documentation that exists, and we say it's not this because, and, and it's the same thing for a, a, some kind of a test aircraft. We had been told early on in the investigation that it, it had been an early attempt to put somebody into orbit that had crashed, and they'd killed, you know, the people had been killed in the crash. And you think, well, this would be a reason certainly to cover it up because you just killed a bunch of people for no reason. But we could never find any anything to to say that was what it, what it was. There was no uh, evidence whatsoever. And like I said, we we spent time at the White Sands Missile Range, and we went through the records, and they were very helpful with this. Um, so we looked at all that kind of experimentation that might account for this, and we couldn't find anything to, that was even suggested. In fact, at the White Sands Missile Range, they'd lost a missile in May of '47, crashed got off the range, and the range officer couldn't get it destroyed, and it fell near Juarez, Mexico. I think it crashed near a cemetery. Nobody was hurt, but they had a moratorium on firings 
up through uh, July 3rd, I think it was. And the, the July 3rd firing, the thing blew up on the pad and injured a bunch of people. So we can say from the you know, period of, of uh, mid-May 1947 up through the first week in July of 1947, they didn't fire anything at White Sands because there was a moratorium on firing because of that accident in May. So we looked at all those records, and we couldn't find anything. And that, that would be the explanation why it can't be an experimental aircraft. It can't be a rocket or anything like that, because we looked and we couldn't find anything. So it could not have been something that we picked up from the Germans, because by now, that information would have come out. It's not something that we'd, we'd want to classify. Let's return, as we move into our next segment, just briefly to the citizen hearing on disclosure. We've done a number of sessions are partly because chris o'brien was one of the camera people working with ron james and producing the video feed from that thing we've got kevin d randall joining us the book is alien mysteries conspiracies and cover-ups and we'll get to that in a moment with gene and chris you're in the paracast Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at webtv.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today got a simple question for you can you sell yes okay can you sell the intangible 
If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends. If you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships. If you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise. And you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer a little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So possibly because we don't hear from Chris O'Brien on this episode, do you think, Kevin Randall, that he's Chris is avoiding you? I would see no reason for that. I saw I saw him in Washington D.C. We said hello and. Uh, never crossed paths again, but I, he was very busy with, with what he was doing, and I was off having a good time. Oh, and he hasn't really told us about all the wacky things he did, just kind of the straight-ahead things. Okay, I think one of the criticisms made about the citizen hearing of disclosure is that some of the people, very few of the people there, maybe uh, if there was a proper vetting process, should not have been there because they don't really help in terms of presenting a scientific case for UFOs. I think you know what I mean. Well, yes. Uh, if, I, if I was picking the people to present at this, there would have been some people I would have avoided picking. And, and, and that really comes down to more of a personal preference, too. Um, you know, uh, um, I, I, well, to be honest, I wouldn't have done anything on MJ-12. I think most people in the UFO community, I think most people who know anything about MJ-12 realize that the thing was a hoax from the very beginning. And there was, there was a, um, a two-hour discussion about MJ-12. I, I wouldn't have had that discussion, which is not to say that, that Robert Woods isn't a good guy. Uh, he's very, very knowledgeable, very intelligent. He hasn't answered my question about Project Aquarius yet which is really the first incarnation of MJ-12. Uh, when that didn't fly, they came up with MJ-12. 
Um, but I, I would have avoided MJ-12, for example. But, but on the other side of the coin, I, th- I thought that the things done with, with uh, the Bentwaters guys was very interesting. The, the missileers, the guys in the missile silos, was very interesting because here you've got guys who had very responsible jobs, and they're talking about UFOs knocking our missiles offline, which if the Soviets had been able to do something like that, would have been very frightening. So that becomes an issue of national security at that point, that the UFOs could knock the missiles offline, which means all that stuff was not part of the Blue Book system. So you've got some very interesting things like that going on, and you've got some stuff that I didn't agree with, but that's my personal opinion. What sort of reaction have you seen to the citizen hearing on disclosure? The New York Times did a pretty favorable piece, but others kind of exaggerated the more negative aspects like they always do. Oh, there was there was one newspaper, and I don't know what it was. kept kept going to the woo woo crowd. There were apparently two people that were wearing headbands with crystals on them one day there. I never saw them, so I don't know that they were there. I know that the newspaper also printed a picture of guys with green face paint on playing instruments at some outdoor venue, which was not part of this at all. They weren't even there. They just had a picture of guys in green paint, so they threw it up there as if this was part of what was going on in Washington. So that coverage was was uh, not only unfair; it was untrue. Do you think, though, Kevin, that this kind of coverage is done because they just don't believe in UFOs? There's a corporate edict to stay away from the subject? What? Part of it is that they they know that there's no such thing as alien visitation. Ergo, there can be any proof of alien visitation. So the the only thing they can do is make fun of it. Because if they they, uh, even suggest that they might be interested in this, then, then they get tarred with the brush of being, being a nutcase. And I, and I think that's, that's going, going through the whole, the whole media. It's going through the scientific community as well, and we've documented that time and again. Uh, Don Schmidt and I were going to do an interview at the Chicago Tribune right after our first Roswell book had come out, and uh, we ended up doing the interview in the hallway with, a, with an intern. And she told us that um, the, the editors knew that there was nothing to this, and so that was why she was assigned to it. They wouldn't even look at the evidence. They weren't interested in the evidence. I think one of the things that happened, one of the things that was important here was that an awful lot of credible evidence was presented. You had people who were clearly who they said they were, who had experienced these. John Callahan, for example, from the FAA was there, and he's he's got boxes of material that he brought in to show the radar tracings from the, the Japanese airliner flight that was bugged by the UFO back in 1986, 1987. He's got the radar traces. He's got all this documentation. He's got the, the video of the radar scopes and every, everything like that. So instead of saying, well, you know, this airplane was buzzed by a UFO, he says, well, you know, here's the documentation for it. Here's what happened. Here's what the people said. And I know that when the skeptics got a, got a hold of the, the Japanese case, they said, well, you know, what the, the guy was seeing was extraterrestrial, of course, but it was Jupiter and, and Mars who were in a, sort of a position where they might have been mistaken for something bright, bright uh, UFO-like objects. But uh, if you go back and you look at the descriptions given by the airline crew, well, clearly that doesn't fit. And Jupiter and Mars don't show up on the radar scopes. Uh, there were radar. There were two separate radar trackings of the thing from two separate radars. So you've got you've got some very persuasive evidence. So when you look at that sort of thing and you have an opportunity to present this persuasive evidence, and, and the one thing that I did was when they talked about the ending of Project Blue Book, I talked to them about the Hitler letter. Hitler was a um, 
Air Force officer who, who wrote to the Condon Committee explaining to them what they wanted to do. We've got to end the end Project Blue Book. We've got to explain it in such a way the public is satisfied. We've got to say some positive things about the Air Force handling of the investigation. Then we've got to close Blue Book. And uh, uh, Robert Lowe from the Condon Committee wrote back and said, yeah, we got it. We'll do that. And, and then the next thing you know, Condon is saying, well, uh, I'm inclined to end this thing right now, but I'm not supposed to come to that conclusion for another 18 months. So, I mean, we can demonstrate through the documentation that this, the ending of Project Blue Book was really a conspiracy to end Project Blue Book and convince the public there was nothing to UFOs. You go through the, the um, Condon Committee report, 35% of the cases aren't explained. One of them is explained as a natural phenomenon so rare that it's never been seen before or since. I mean, that's right in the Condon Committee report. And you would think, scientifically speaking, that if you'd identified something like that, a natural phenomenon that rare, that you'd want to do something more to investigate it, to see what else it might explain. But they don't do that. They say, well, if there's nothing to it, we're going to stop it now. And, and so we were able to present a lot of evidence to people who were fairly skeptical about that. The, the congressional representatives, they were skeptical about uh, what was going on. We had an opportunity to present some very credible evidence. If I did not agree with some of the evidence, and, and again, I go back to MJ-12, if I did not agree with the evidence, that wasn't my call. And uh, I just avoided that session. So I sat in one session with Stan Friedman right, right beside me, and uh, the first session, and they were doing some of the history, and they were talking about where uh, weather balloons, where the Project Mogul balloons were launched, and the, the panelists, the historians, didn't, couldn't seem to answer the question. And Stan and I shouted out about the same time, Alamogordo, they were launched in Alamogordo. And so uh, there was a lot, lot, lot of that sort of stuff going on. But I think, I think overall you take a look at the evidence presented and the documentation presented that it made a very favorable profession. And I sat down with the New York Times guy for an hour and a half and chatted with him about that to, to make sure that he understood that the perception that there's no good evidence for UFOs or alien visitation is, is simply not true, and all you need to do is tell me what you want in the way of evidence, and I will point you in that direction, and you can go take a look at it and see if it's persuasive to you. What was his reaction? Did he give you some information he'd like you to look up? Uh, no, I was just I was directing him to information. We we chatted with him a number of times. He um, uh, and Don Schmidt and I chatted with him a number of times. And all we were doing was providing him with with uh, with the evidence for you for alien visitation. You know, and say, well, there's you know no good evidence. What do you want? You want photographs? There's some very good photographs. You want movie footage? Some very good movie footage. You want landing trace cases? There's 4,500 of them. You want radar cases? Uh, yeah, uh, we've got we've got cases with multiple chains of evidence. The Leveland case from 1957, for crying out loud, you had witnesses at 13 separate locations talking about the UFO interacting with the environment, and now now we find out some. 50 years too late, that there was a landing trace involved in Roswell that the sheriff was involved in, and he never said anything because the Air Force asked him not to talk about it. And, I mean, we're, we would have had a landing trace, we would have had electromagnetic effects, and we've got, we've got multiple witnesses at multiple locations. I mean, talk about a stunning case and what happened. The Air Force argued with NICAP, uh, the civilian organization, about whether or not who was telling the truth about the number of witnesses. Kehoe, Don Kehoe at NICAP said there were nine witnesses. The Air Force said, no, Kehoe's lying. There were only three. And you go through the documentation. In the Project Blue Book files, you can find, you can find 13 separate locations where people saw 
saw this thing, and, uh, and, and there were multiple witnesses at some of the locations. So there were way more than 13 witnesses. So they were busy arguing about this when they should have been arguing about the interaction of the UFO with the environment and the landing traces and all of that other stuff. All the side issues kind of dominating here, and you don't get down to the core of the mystery. We'll have which, which, of course, the Air Force wanted. It's good politics to kind of divert the discussion. That's done in Congress yeah. all the time. That's why they don't solve anything. The book is called Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Ups. We'll get into some things in that book in a moment. We have Kevin Randall joining Gene and Chris. Once again, you're in The Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we have Kevin D. Randall, very extremely prolific author. A very extremely prolific author because he's written over 100 books, second only to Brad Steiger. More books than Isaac Asimov? No, Isaac, no, no, I'm, I was just talking about, about people involved in the UFO field. Isaac Asimov got credit for like 500, and there was some, some romance writer, I think she did like 750. Well, of course, Walter B. Gibson wrote, what, 300 novels about the shadow. 
Well, did he or or did he have help? I know Don Pendleton, who started the Executioner series for Gold Eagle book. Uh, I I actually wrote Gold Eagle uh, Executioner number, I think it's 114. And it was Don Pendleton's Executioner. They they bought it out and Pendleton stopped writing it. So the question is, did he write all those books or did somebody else write them? Asimov, with his 500 books, a lot of them he was the editor on. He gathered papers and put things together and like, like that, or short story collections. Um, so... But, so maybe but, that's cheating. Well, it, it, you know, his his rules, his game. Uh, he can say, I you know, I don't think he ever said he wrote five hundred books. I think you know he, he had credit for five hundred books. I don't think Asimov ever said it. I think in the Guinness Book of World Records, there was a woman who wrote seven hundred romance novels. You know, so on, on a lot of the there, I did, was doing a series of books called Vietnam Ground Zero, and there were actually six that I didn't write, so I don't count those in my list of books that I wrote. Uh, At least you're trying to be intellectually honest about it. Okay, let's go back to one more thing here. With regard to Roswell, do you have a time frame as to when you think there's going to be a report from this dream team, or is that still kind of up in the air? There's, there's been a couple of diversions that we've had to deal with, and um, personal personal problems that have, have arisen with, with some of the team members that they had, they've had they had to uh, deal with, I mean, deaths in the family and things like that, which is inhibited. The other thing is uh, some of the investigations we're dealing with um, people who are not as enthusiastic as we are, so we're delayed by them. Uh, one of the things we've been doing is in the first book, we talked about these nuns in Roswell who'd seen the object in the air. And I was of the opinion that Don had actually seen the diary entry, and it turned out he hadn't. What The information came from a guy named um, Bill English. We kind of accepted it because Bill English had been a, was a old Special Forces captain. He'd been in the Army Green Berets, so we found him to be reliable. Uh, we have since found out that Bill English was not a Special Forces officer. He spent very little time in the military, and he was a PFC. So the credibility slipped. But we had talked to he sent us to a nun in Roswell, and we talked to her, and she told us where the diaries were. Well, we've spent two years tracing the diaries, and what we finally found is, you know, they were moved from Roswell to a repository in Oklahoma, and they ended up in another repository in Wisconsin, but the diaries that they have there only go back to 1960, so now we're trying to find out where the earlier diaries are. So, I mean, and we've got to deal with uh, the Catholic Church on this, and they're they're trying to protect the, their nuns and their diaries and make sure that uh, everything is done properly so nobody's embarrassed by anything and and so it's just become a real bugaboo. so we we have to we have to rate on that on the Ramey memo, for example, where one of the things we've done is we found a couple of people who are very involved in studying the photographs, but they know nothing about the background of it. They're just given the photograph and says, what can you, you know, they're just the, remo, the memo part and what can you read there. And so we've got to wait for them to have an opportunity because they're, they're doing it out of the uh, kindness of their hearts to help us out. So we have to wait for them to, to get their work done. And, and, and it's a long involved process. So we're gathering information. We're trying to, um, we're going back and listening to all the um, taped interviews that we have of, of the witnesses so that we can see exactly what they said originally and compare it with what has been published in in the past. We found I found that we we have uh, Jay Bon Johnson, who was the guy that took the photographs, was always accusing me of misquoting quoting him. I actually found found a place in one of the one of the tape interviews with him where I 
actually left out a word in in transcribing the tape. So he was right. I misquoted him. I left a word out. I think it was an and. You know what? You just can't get away with doing that. But then we'll do an update in the near future and see where you're going with this. Let's go to the book because there was a bunch of things there. We are getting near the halfway point on the show. We haven't really covered the book to any extent. Now, I was reading a section that you did about so-called ancient astronauts and artifacts recovered that may indicate supposed advanced technology. And I came away with the impression that you just don't buy it. A lot of that information that has come out, if you go back to the original sources uh, of it, you find that the way it's been translated, you might say, into uh, the modern UFO world doesn't really fit. The best example I can think of is this a story that appeared in the 1852 Scientific American. It was about a metal vessel. And I've always thought of it as a gravy boat for some reason, but I've actually seen a picture of it since, and it's more like a bell, uh, a, a fancy inlaid um, bowl-like object that was supposedly blown out of granite in a quarry in Massachusetts in, in, a, in the 1850s. You, you read a lot of the UFO books, and they talk about this thing, and who was is, who is making these things back long enough ago that it could get mixed in with the material that eventually became granite. You know, it's, uh, it means it's millions of years old. And well, you go back and you read the story, you find out, well, that's not quite what they said, and it could have been associated with material on top of the granite that was collapsed when, they, when the explosion took place. I mean, they were trying to, they, they were carving or, or they were uh, mining the granite or, milling the granite or whatever, so it may not have actually been in the granite but associated with material on top of it, meaning on the ground. But what I found interesting about that was in the Scientific American, it talked about this might have been something made by a fellow named Tuba Kane, and I, I knew nothing about Tuba Kane, and I got looking at that, the Scientific American, because the bound periodicals were at the University of Iowa Library, and you, I also researched them online. And you look at that, and there's this little thing off to the side, and it looks, you know, like a, a mark on the page. And you look at it carefully, and it turns out it's an L, and it's tubal cane. And then we discover that tubal cane is a Masonic uh, symbol or a Masonic reference. And so you're wondering, well, was this story put in the Scientific American as some kind of a message to other masons of the time and so you know you, you, you get diverted into these other things so the real point is the mystery of this this um, device this thing that was made may not have been as ancient as it was but it takes us off into a different direction that is also kind of interesting but it really has nothing to do with really ancient civilizations or alien visitations it takes us in a different direction the baghdad batteries and i wanted to do something on that because i'd been to baghdad and i'd been to, to babylon where they supposedly were uncovered and i thought well i can i can actually put pictures of babylon that i took in the book uh but these are earthenware jars with uh, metal rods in and electrolyte, you know, like uh, citric acid in them that generate an electrical current. People have talked about that for years. Nothing to suggest an alien technology. Clearly, these things exist. Clearly, they're uh, at least 1,500 years old, maybe 2,000 years old. And you think, well, what were the ancient Babylonians doing with batteries that created a, a very low level of current? 
And so there's, there's, you know, that's kind of an interesting development, but it really doesn't lead us to the extraterrestrial or anything like that. It's kind of interesting. So when, when you look at, when you go back and you look at the ancient sources, when you look at the original sources for some of this stuff, it just doesn't, it's not quite as mysterious as it's been made out to be by some of the writers. And that was one of the things I wanted to do with the book is take a look at the whole range of history of UFOs from the really, really ancient up to the modern, modern times. And, and, and see what I could learn about it and, and provide the best evidence I could find about some of these things. All right, let's look at this further as we progress. So the suggestion I see in the book is that the popular writers who introduced these concepts, the Baghdad batteries, all these out-of-place things, that maybe they exaggerated a little bit or made a few interpretations that were not kosher, and that's why they came up with these theories. You'll get an answer, and there are time for an answer in a moment. Kevin D. Randall is our guest. His latest book, among many, is Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Ups, and we're going dark and deep into what he talks about. You're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts, if you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. 
With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Did you know that 50% of heart attacks are brought on by infections? Did you know that hospitals are breeding grounds for antibiotic-resistant bugs like MRSA? The environment is infected with parasites, and the mild winter means ticks with Lyme disease, mosquitoes with West Nile virus, and cold and flu viruses will be on the rise. Protect yourself with nature's natural antiparasitic, antiviral, antifungal, antibiotic, Allison, the heart of garlic. Get concentrated protection with Ali C and Ali Ben from Affinity Health Products. One capsule of Ali C equals 40 cloves of garlic or 100 garlic pills with no garlic breath. Ali Ben has Allison in spray, liquid, and cream forms with three times more strength than leading brands and costs less. Go to Ali-C.com, spelled A-L-L-I-C.com, or call 855-ALLISON. That's 855-255-4246. That's 855-255-4246. Protect yourself with Ali C and Ali Ban from Affinity Health Products at Ali-C.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast, we're talking to Kevin D. Randall, and we're focusing about those out-of-place things, O-O-P-T-H's. Don't ask me to try to say that oops. in any other way. What? Oops. They're called oops. Oops. There you go. You see how well I did that, ladies and gentlemen? Okay. <laughs> so we're seeing here is that something that might be unusual, but not necessarily evidence of an advanced technology, but changing a few words here and there, a few descriptions, and suddenly they become really anomalous. Is that deliberate? I, I think in, in most cases it's not. I think that the, the writers, the other writers, when they've looked at these things, have been a little bit more enthusiastic about uh, their conclusions than they need to be. I, I, it's, it's really a matter of interpretation. And I tried to attack it from a more neutral point of view. Well, here's what it says, you know, what, what does this actually mean, and, and take it in that direction. There were some things, there were some things that, that really are in, inexplicable, uh, and we don't really understand how they came to be where they were found. These nails that really were associated with granite that that seemed to have uh, been dropped at the time the granite was being formed millions of years ago. So there are there are a couple of, of real anomalies there, but a lot of times I think it's the enthusiasm of the writer taking them in a direction. And and uh, you know, back in my younger days, I probably was as enthusiastic in some of these things and didn't research them as carefully as they could be. The other problem is if one guy makes a mistake and the next guy comes along and he reads the first guy's stuff, he's going to make the same mistake. And I found a couple of places where if you go back to the original source, it's not quite the way uh, it has been interpreted throughout throughout the years. One, uh, And this really isn't appropriate in this book, but back, I was doing some research in a book and it was about vanishings, people who just disappeared. 
And one of them was this Oliver Thomas guy who disappeared in Wales in, in, eight, in 1909, I think it was. And it was in one of the books that Brad Steiger had done. And I said, well, I know Brad Steiger. Actually, I knew, what his, I, I, I knew how to get in touch with him, so I called him up. <laughs> I said, Brad, then looking into this Oliver Thompson thing, oh, that's a hoax. It, and, and Brad said that, that he said what he does, and, and it's a wonderful way to be, but it's really not a good, great invest, investigative technique. Was he just he tends to believe what people tell him until he finds out differently, and so he you know he looks for the he looks for the mistakes he looks for that, but uh, he he reports honestly what he's been told. If he finds out later that it's wrong, he'll make sure that you know that. And that was one of the things he did with this Oliver Thomas thing. He he thought it was a, a good story, but when I called him to ask him, I said, "No, nah, it was a hoax." Didn't try to alibi, didn't try to cover up, told me, told me honestly what it was. So what I tried to do is go back to the original sources, uh, looking at all of these things and, and seeing how they've, they've been brought to the modern world. The disappearance of Oliver Thomas, Oliver Larch, in um, Ohio. Um, I want to say Cincinnati, but that doesn't sound right. Anyhow, he disappeared, and it, and it was in a book by Morris K. Jessup, and he said, it's all written down in the, the files of the police department for all to see. You know, here's evidence. The guy disappeared in 1881. Uh, you can look it up in the police files, in the police records. So I called, I, I sent a letter to the, to the police, and they said, uh, our records don't go back that far. They were destroyed in 1924 in a fire. So it wasn't there for everybody to look up in the police files. It was just a statement that Jessup made in his book, which I believe he believed to be the truth, it just wasn't. Well, so, maybe he relied on someone else's report, so it's like yes, A reports, I, B picks up A, modifies it in their own words, and suddenly C and D pick it up, and the story becomes farther and farther yes. removed from the original. So you need to get back to the the point of, of, of my book was to get back to the original sources. You know, In, in fact, in the government, sequence of government files I had, I, I just came across another one where they were talking, uh, talking about pre-Arnold 1947 UFO sightings, pre-Kenneth Arnold sightings, uh, and they said one of the best ones was from uh, July, from June 23rd, the day before Arnold, in the Cedar Rapids newspaper. And I thought, well, I live in Cedar Rapids. I'll go look it up, see what see what it says. Well, so we have this June 23rd sighting from from 1947. It's supposedly documented in the newspaper. But Dick Hall talks about it in the UFO evidence. This is an important sighting because it talks about disc-shaped objects prior to Arnold. And so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm trying to trace it back, and the earliest reference I can find is from 1956 when Frank Edwards used it in his speech. So I figured, I'm in Cedar Rapids, I'll go down to the newspaper and look. And I talked to the, uh, not the newspaper, but the library, and I talked to them and found out there were two newspapers in Cedar Rapids at the time. One was a weekly and the other was a daily. And I went through the newspaper twice for June 23rd, and there was nothing there. I went through the other one, it didn't have an issue on June 23rd, it had a, not June one on June 19th, and... One, some, I think the 24th was the next one that, that, that it had, so that didn't help. I eventually found the sighting they were referencing. It actually took place in Joliet, Illinois. It was not published until June 28th, I think, in the Cedar Rapids Gazette, but all the other facts fit. I mean, it was a railroad engineer, and he saw the 10 objects and all that, but it wasn't June 23rd. It was, it, was, it was something that Frank Edwards said. I don't know why he said it was published in the newspaper on June 23rd, other than the railroad engineer said he'd seen this thing on, on the same afternoon that Arnold had seen it, which would be the 24th, so even that was wrong. But others had picked up what Edwards had said in the speech and continued to publish 
that date as if it was accurate. I was eventually able to, to trace the story down and find out that it was not published until after Arnold, so it, it really didn't fit what I was looking for. Well, I always wondered whether Frank Edwards, and he was a really nice guy, I met him a couple of times, was the most meticulous researcher on the planet. But let's just move on. There's a lot of ground to cover here. Chapter one of your book. This is, of course, one of the linchpins of the ancient astronauts' theory that in the Bible, Ezekiel's wheels were really spaceships, that the gods of the Bible were really aliens. What's your take on it? If you take a look at Ezekiel's story, Ezekiel being a prophet that uh, had been to Babylon, as a matter of fact, (laughs) another place to use my Babylon pictures, and his story seems to be uh, actually from ancient Egypt, and talks about something like that. And, and again, you go to the various sources and you find that uh, the colors that, that Ezekiel described, I mean, it's almost every color under the, under the sun is, is available there. The descriptions vary from, from place to place. And I think this is really a, a question of the translations. Somebody translates the original into another language, which is translated into a, still another language, and eventually you get the interpretations of the translators in there as opposed to what was actually originally said. Uh, Rockwell International did an experiment a number of years ago where they translated something into Russian and then had another translator translate it back into English. And the one that stuck in my mind is hydraulic rams, which was in the original report, was translated back into English as water lambs. Not exactly the same thing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that when you're looking at some of these ancient writings, what you end up with is a translation of a translation of a translation, and each translation has an interpretation by the guy who's doing the translation. And so the long and short of it is that however hard you try, it may be very difficult unless you go back to the original source material to ever figure out what they're talking about, because there also might be, and we don't want to get into that, because that starts a whole other discussion, a political agenda in translating yeah. something in a certain way. The yeah. book yeah. is Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies and Cover-Ups by Kevin Randall. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. 
The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer Did you know that gold and silver contain healing properties? It's true. Since the beginning of mankind's history, gold and silver have not only been used as real money, but also for healing our minds and bodies. Utopiasilver.com is your leading source for colloidal silver and colloidal gold, offering supplement protocols that can heal and enhance your health. Protocols for boosting the immune system, insomnia, yeast infections, herpes, and countering the effects of vaccinations and radiation poisoning. And now Utopia. Utopiasilver.com encourages the use of real money with this buy one, get one free real money special. For details on your colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements, call 888-213-4338 and ask about 50% off for first-time customers. That's 888-213-4338 or visit utopiasilver.com, utopiasilver.com, fighting for liberty and healing one American at a time. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we have Kevin D. Randall. I was thinking, Kevin, you haven't done it yet. Maybe we'll ask you. We sometimes have guests use that closing stinger, the Paracast, And, of course, Nick Redfern may not have written as many books as you have, Kevin Randall, but he does that very well. And we're thinking maybe we'll have the best of the Paracast, and people will listen to it. And it'll almost be like that Beatles thing, Revolution Number 9. Someone will be saying, instead of Number 9, Number 9, the Paracast, the Paracast for 12 minutes flat. You think people will buy that, Kevin? Uh, Given the way people are today, probably. (laughs) (laughs) You know? <laughs> It'll be a bestseller. Yes, there you go. 
Chris, we didn't have many days to warn our listeners about the presence of Kevin Randall in the PowerCast, but we had a few questions and discussions in our forums. You want to start to read a few? But certainly. Uh, the first one comes from a former mo- moderator here at forum.theparacast.com. His name is Angelo. And being the, the pot-stirring kind of guy he is, he likes to, he, I think he likes to tweak me a little bit on, on occasion as well. He wonders, Kevin, why do you think there are still some people that think that cattle mutilations are anomalous in nature when, according to scientists and veterinarians, the evidence points to scavengers and predators. Is there too much of a hope that something paranormal is happening which blinds people to the truth? Is this what is happening with most UFO cases? Wow, that's just a really loaded question, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Angelo's full of them, believe me. I think that uh, if you want to know why someone accept something anomalous that you should ask that person and not ask me what I think their opinions might be. I personally, in my investigations of the cattle mutilations, and I was one of the first that was involved in that, uh, thanks to Jim Lorenzen, I never came across one that was anomalous, that was not explainable in the mundane. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I base it on what my experience has been, and I periodically revisit that as I do other things, other areas of, of the UFO field, the sub-genres of the UFO field, to see if, if there's new information, new evidence that I might have missed that would, would change my opinion. You know, uh, look at the crop circles again, look at the, uh, uh, periodically look at the MJ-12 stuff, but I just can't see anything coming up that's really, unless somebody comes up with a document with a known provenance that talks right. about MJ-12, that I'm just not going to reverse my opinion on that. Cattle mutilations is one of the things that I periodically revisit, and people periodically send me questions. And how do you how do you explain this phenomenon? And with the with the internet today, sometimes I can actually come up with some some very interesting explanations on that stuff. So on the cattle mutilations, you know, I revisit it periodically. I look at it periodically to see if there's stuff that I might have missed to, to learn a little bit more about it. But to this point, I haven't found anything that convinces me that the uh, cattle mutilations are extraterrestrial. Let me let me say it that way. Extraterrestrial. <laughs> there may be other explanations involved in that. But yeah, I, I was I was gonna I was gonna ask you to clarify that a little bit more. You know, Kevin, I I'm writing a book on this particular mystery. Um, I've been researching it for off and on for about twenty years. And as you know, I do have quite an interest in this subject and have investigated around two hundred cases. How many cases have you actually gone out on? Uh, you're right there smack in an area that was uh, allegedly hit pretty hard in the 70s. How many uh, actual cases where the rancher has claimed that his cattle was killed in an unnatural way or some unusual way? How many have you seen? Oh, probably oh, several dozen. Yeah, okay. And I've, you know, I've talked to vets, and the one vet I always remember, his name was Jeff Davis, and he lived in Wisconsin, and I'm thinking, Jefferson Davis in Wisconsin, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, Jefferson Davis in Alabama, that makes sense to me. No. You know, I've talked to the vets, I've talked to the, some of the people at universities. You know, I've, I've read the Ken Rommel report, which I know you probably are not real thrilled with. Uh, well, no, actually, you know, I, I think when my book comes out, it's going to rain on some parades, believe me. I Explain do, to our listeners, Chris, what this is about, what this report is about. Well, I'm writing a, a, a book called Stalking the Herd, and one of the main detractors um, of the mysterious nature of this particular kind of <laughs> mystery, I guess, for lack of a better term, was an FBI agent who was hired by 
a, um, a district attorney in New Mexico back in 1979 at the behest of uh, former Congressman Harrison Schmidt. I think it was a senator, wasn't he, uh, Kevin? Yeah, senator, senator, yes. He was a senator, yes. One of the last men to walk on the moon. Correct. And he had been petitioned by ranchers uh, because of, of a whole wave of what the ranchers claimed were, were unexplained and unnatural uh, deaths of, of cattle in New Mexico. This was in, in the 70s, late 70s, uh, going into early 80. Some of these cases were being investigated by Gabe Valdez, the New Mexico State Patrolman who died uh, in 2011, who was in charge of the uh, area up around the Dulce, town of Dulce and Hickory Apache Reservation. So Schmidt uh, and Eloy Martinez, uh, the district attorney, arranged to get a grant, and a former FBI agent named Kenneth Rommel conducted Operation Cattle Mutilation, which was uh, one of the only officially sanctioned government studies of this particular phenomenon. There's quite a bit of evidence to suggest that he wanted, uh, similar to you know, the infamous Condon report, which uh, came out about 10 years earlier, uh, looking at UFOs, that he went into this uh, with his mind fairly well made up. He had a ghostwriter write most of the copy of this report, and it blamed the entire phenomenon or mysterious nature of this on just misidentified scavenger action. And he went on to personally attack many of the principals involved in investigating the New Mexico cases. Now, out of the 80, I, I think, some odd cases that, that are cited in the book, Rommel himself never had anything to do with any field investigative work. He did pick and choose uh, the veterinary pathology remarks that he quoted in his, his, his report and really did a good job uh, character assassin with character assassination on some of the principals involved, uh, especially Gabe Valdez and an ex-Sandia scientist named Howard Burgess. So the Rommel report, I think, has always been flawed. I think there's a, a, a high likelihood that the cases that they were looking at were induced by media, you know, sort of sensationalism. And I, I do agree with you, Kevin, a, a vast majority of these cases, uh, just like in UFO uh, sightings, a majority of these cases are misidentified scavenger action, unusual insect scavenging, which most people aren't aware of, how very efficient insects can be, um, especially in dry areas uh, of the cattle country. And uh, birds are very proficient at creating what look to be perf perfect uh, incisions in the rear ends of animals and whatnot. If I can interrupt for just sure. a second. I, I remember seeing photographs of, of an allegedly mutilated cow uh, where they were talking about there were no footprints around it, and you're looking at the body, and there's bird droppings all over it. And yeah. you're thinking, well, yeah, there's no, there's no footprints because it was birds for crying out loud. Right, the evidence right. was right there on the carcass. Yeah, and, and I agree that this, this, this subject is filled with, with just people not knowing uh, the thing, a, a thing about uh, veterinary pathology, number one, and... And when, when a, perhaps let's say a real case does occur and uh, the rancher, you know, mentions it to his neighbors and, and other ranchers and it, the word spreads like wildfire and maybe another case occurs uh, or uh, it may be unusual scavenger action, word of that gets around. When, as soon as the newspaper gets involved and starts fanning the flames and oftentimes, uh, like in the 70s and uh, uh, Dorothy Eldridge and the Gazette Telegraph articles, very uh, sensationalized and uh, 
and really done in in a in a way to I think really sell papers more than anything. When this happens, then any dead cow lying out in the pasture that's being scavenged is going to appear to the amateur, you know, untrained observer to be unusual looking, and they'll they'll walk up to it and they'll notice that there's no blood, and they'll freak out and say this animal's been drained of blood, and then Linda Howe will come along and say that the aliens are gathering genetic material for lip and eye stew or some hybridization process or, or whatever, as I'm sure you heard her drone on at the citizen's hearing. <laughs> no, I did not hear her drone on about that because I purposely skipped that one. Let's skip into this announcement. We have Kevin Randall joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Hey, everybody, Jason Lewis here with another great idea from JasonLewisTeam.com. Now, how would you like an energy drink that's actually good for you? That's right, one that not only gives you an afternoon pick-me-up, but that's loaded with the most important antioxidants for reducing the damage from stress. It's called Pollen Burst, and it's a natural burst of energy that lasts for hours. Now, most energy drinks rely on a massive dose of caffeine, sugar, or even vitamin B. Pollen Burst takes a more balanced approach, and that's why I like it. I also love the fact that Pollen Burst has plenty of vitamin D and green tea extract. This is the best energy drink I've ever tried. So trust me, you'll not only like it better than the others, you'll love the way it's individually packaged for freshness as well. They've got these on-the-go stick packs. They're great. Pollen Burst. It's available at JasonLewisTeam.com or simply call 1-855-310-TEAM. For a natural burst of energy, it's Pollen Burst at JasonLewisTeam.com or 1-855-310-TEAM. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. So from UFOs, including Roswell, to ancient astronauts, and now to cattle mutilations, and to Linda Howe, with Gene and Chris, we have Kevin Randall. Kevin, of course, is answering your questions posted at forum.theparacast.com in our question bank. And the first questions are about cattle mutilations which by the way is not covered in my my book okay that's oh. a, that's fair yeah well kevin you've you've uh, been out on a on a few dozen cases the odds are that you probably saw you know what most veterinary pathologists who look at this mystery um have said in the past that this is nothing more than than misidentified scavenger action and and we both know, Kevin, that, that scavengers can be pretty uh, creative in the way that they can attack a carcass. However, do you, do you really have a sense that that totally is a blanket explanation for all these cases, that that's I, I it? Think, I think it's kind of like when you start looking at uh, UFOs and explanations, is extraterrestrial the only explanation? Well, no, it's not. There, there are other, other explanations possible. I know, and I mentioned Jeff Davis earlier, that he and I were talking about this, and he mentioned that he, one of the mutilations he'd been to, you know, that the farmer had done it, and he'd done it for the insurance money because the cow had died of disease. It had been a sickly cow, and if uh, the cow died of disease, then he didn't get insurance money. But if it had been killed and mutilated, killed by some unknown agency, whatever that agency might be, uh, then he got his insurance money, and and Davis Davis knew that. So I mean, there there's another another motivation. And I know you're you're also right that there were copycats. I talked to a group of you know, meat packing was big here in Iowa, and still I guess is still kind of big in Iowa. And I talked to a number of butchers who'd said that they had come across a, a cow in the field that had died, and they they partially butchered it for the for the sheer joy of doing it, and seeing what the media said about it. The media. I think spawned a great number of these. Um, 
the mutilation stories because sometimes I, I, it's really not to say that they didn't care. They just didn't ask the follow-up questions. Right. They, here's a here's a dead cow. It's a mutilation. Yeah, we'll we'll run with that. And they didn't ask the follow-up questions. They didn't go as far far into it as they they could have. And they may have may have not done it simply because they didn't have time. They said you've got to do a story on the mutilation. He knocked out what he had and went on to the next story. So I mean, there's a whole range of explanations for the whole phenomenon. Yeah, I have yeah, not. Yeah. Well, it was Dugway, I think. Dugway Proving Grounds in Utah that released chemical. Yeah. And killed six thousand sheep. Yeah, yeah, and and so I mean, here's here's uh, something that that uh, it was mysterious, but it wasn't extraterrestrial, but it was still something that was mysterious. So, yeah, I've uh, I've always uh, countered uh, people's uh, you know touting certain extraterrestrial theories uh, as a possible you know explanation for the few high strange cases that that we do have on record and and have been established. It, of course. If Linda's correct, and these these beings are coming here from light years away to gather genetic material, wouldn't it be easier just to pick the lock on a slaughterhouse and go in and get all the parts and blood that you could possibly ever need? Russ Estes and I had a similar statement about uh, alien abduction, which was, if uh, you're if you're doing it for the genetic material, wouldn't it just be easier to abduct the barrels behind the uh, barbershops? And get the genetic material that way that you, if you needed it. Um, yeah, or implant things. How, yeah. Why don't they use nanotechnology? Why do they have these things that look suspiciously like pieces of glass and metal? And and, and again, I mean, in, with the abductions, you've got the same thing. I don't think there's any one explanation that that covers covers it all. I I, I know that sleep paralysis in abductions does explain some cases of alien abduction. Doesn't explain them all, but it does explain some of them. And one of them I was involved in, which was the uh, Pat Roach abduction in Utah in 1973. And I am absolutely convinced now, having reviewed all the material and learned more about psychology, that she experienced an episode of sleep paralysis. And that's, that explains the whole thing of the aliens coming to the house and the, and the whole thing. But does that mean that all alien abductions yeah, are explainable exactly. by, by sleep? Absolutely not. Yeah. It means that one case is explainable by it, and there's probably others that and are there's explainable there's probably by others, it, correct. But yeah. it does not explain them all. Well, how familiar are you with the National Institute of Discovery Sciences work? Uh, veterinary pathologist uh, Dr. George Onet, Holm Kelleher, and uh, the Field Investigative Network, uh, including Gabe Valdez, um, who I think worked for them five or six years. Are you familiar with the papers they published on the mutilation yes. phenomenon? Yes. yes. Well, what do you think of their uh, theory that actually went on to spawn Colm Kelleher's book, Brain Trust? What do you think of the theory that we saw a monitoring program uh, in the 80s and 90s that may have been looking for transmissible spongiform encephalopathy or prion disease, mad cow disease, if you will, in the food chain? Yeah, it's just one of those things. You would think it would be simpler just to buy the cows. Uh, well, how do we know they don't do that? Uh, I, I, we don't. <laughs> I'm just. We I'm know just that saying, the government rents live, uh, rents uh, grazing land in certain areas and, and raises livestock on it. We know that the National Institutes of Health have done that. But, I'm, but I, what I'm saying is, it seems to me it would be easier to buy the cows and leave the than, than leave the remains of the animal behind for people to find and then quite, start all kinds of uh, inquiry into it. Because the last thing you'd want to do is draw attention to something like that. 
Well, actually, if you take the animals, that's that's when the police report's filed. If you leave it there, there's no there's no police report filed, and it's plausible not deniability. I'm saying if you buy the buy the animal as opposed to steal it, you know, I I don't know. I the the other thing is I know back back in the early '70s when I was flying for the Iowa National Guard, uh, we were flying helicopters uh, from point A to point B, and one of the guys in the formation says, "You're not going to believe this. We're taking fire." And some farmer was shooting at us because the rumors were that the helicopters were being used to rustle cattle. So I'm thinking, you know, we're flying gunships. Maybe we should return fire for fire with fingers. <laughs> they well, call you a UFO, Kevin. Yeah, well, there's also a theory that's, that returning pilots from Vietnam in 75 were out on the front range of Colorado, based out of Fort Carson, um, having funny games. Uh, it just sort of pranking uh, the ranching community by going down and mutilating cattle, and uh, and then when the sensationalism and the hysteria hit, voila, you have yourself a bona fide uh, paranormal mystery on your hands. I would not think that being a Vietnam helicopter pilot myself, uh, I would not think. I, why I think they might have pranked people. I wouldn't think they'd be down there murdering cattle just to. Uh, for fun and games like that. Uh, oh, returning vets. Uh, I mean, remember you're back. talking to a returning vet here. I know, I know. I and know. I was a helicopter pilot, so yeah. <laughs> I can speak with some authority to this. You can, you can absolutely. So I, uh, it, it, that theory was put forward by uh, by some law enforcement officials back in the '70s, and uh, it's it's a bit of a stretch. But uh, I've talked to two sheriffs whose guys tried to bring down military-style helicopters in the midst of a very intense, uh, the perception of a very intense wave of cattle, de- unexplained cattle deaths. In in the case of one rancher, 49 head in two weeks. That's The, pre- the predators and scavengers must be awful uh, hungry and efficient to be able to pull that off, by the way. Um, and, and they did stake out his ranch and try to bring down uh, choppers, which in one, they actually made it smoke and they they were kind of unsure whether it was going to make it all the way back to uh to <laughs> to Fort Carson where they well, you know the helicopter the helicopters depending you know you could bring down a helicopter with a single round depending yeah. if you hit it right and and in one case you know it, well, I'd say in one case I I took 105 hits in one helicopter and we flew it out wow so um well, that must one of, scary no, it was annoying. A hundred five. How'd you count them? Oh, one, two, three. <laughs> See, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, after we got back, we landed and we then we we counted the, the aircraft was pretty well done in. I hit a I hit an anti tank mine with a helicopter and managed to fly it out. So, and it was it was pretty well total once we got out. They couldn't believe I actually got it off the ground. And had I been thinking, I would not have. I would have left it where it was, <laughs> ridden out with somebody else instead of flying flying out myself. So I, you know, it just it just really really depends. I just can't see. I, I can see guys doing low level. Hell, we used to do that all the time because it was fun. Um, I remember chasing a deer one day with a helicopter. You know, in Texas, just flying flying along. I was just chasing the deer for something to do and. I realized I was it was getting really worn out, so I said, "Well, that's enough of that. We'll leave the poor deer alone." And I took off. Um, I was reported as uh, harassing a herd of of cattle. Um, I had been picked up by by a helicopter. Uh, a friend of mine had had hired a helicopter to come down to the San Luis Valley and to videotape the area. And we videotaped uh, in a big circle around the valley. 
And he let me fly back from Monta Vista to Crestown, which is about 65 miles. He let me actually say, keep your feet off the rudders, but you can go ahead and fly it. And so I was... Actually, it's not rudders, but that's okay. We won't be politically correct here. I don't know if I want (laughs) Chris O'Brien to fly a helicopter in which I'm riding, but that's how it goes. Kevin Randall joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Ginny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we learned here that we have an unlicensed helicopter pilot in our midst. It was a black helicopter, Chris. It was fun. I'd swoop this way, I'd swoop that way, and then I saw a herd of cattle, so I started swooping down i he he, he had been, he had his hands behind his head and he was kind of snoozing while i was doing this he was very trusting and uh you know he said well, i don't know if we, we should be doing that well little did i know the rancher saw me do this i was in a dark purple little two-man helicopter he immediately called the sheriff reported a mysterious black helicopter harassing his herd the sheriff and a deputy tried to chase us all the way back to the 60 miles to Crestone, but because the roads are not, you know, direct routes, you have to do the uh, angle turns around pastures and stuff. They couldn't keep up with us. 
And the Rocky Mountain News the next day reported that mysterious black helicopters seen harassing herds in uh, in Monta Vista, uh, Colorado. So you know what? Isn't that interesting, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> now we know. We have the admission from Chris O'Brien that he was once the pilot of a black or almost black helicopter. Listen, we only have four segments left of this episode, Chris. I, I'm not making that up, Kevin. That, that really happened. Let's make one other thing clear. When you talk about the unlicensed helicopter pilot, you're talking about Chris, not me, because I do, in fact, have a license. I understand. I understand the (laughs) distinction because you're doing it from the military. You're paid and trained to do this. Chris was just having a heap of fun. Chris, more questions from the forums? Yes, we do have some more. Interesting. I have, uh, let's see, wow, there's a lot of questions here about the cattle. I think we've pretty much covered all this. Okay, here's one from a... um, a very recent uh, signee up at the forum.theparacast.com. He calls himself Tom1961. And he says, Mr. Randall, I'm a fan and respect your service to our country. Do you think the U.S. government has alien bodies somewhere? Yes. Do we need, do we need to modify the answer? <laughs> well, maybe a couple of more details. You have three and a half segments. <laughs> See, yeah, I think, I think the Roswell case... To me, the Roswell case is pretty well established as being alien in nature, and the, the bodies were recovered from that crash. So, yes, the government has them. Uh, we can trace them off the, the scene in New Mexico. We can get them to Wright Field, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. From that point on, we don't know. General Exxon told us that one of the bodies had been sent to Lowry Air Force Base in Denver. Uh, Lowry at the time was the Army's mortuary service was there. So they sent one of the bodies there to, uh, I guess, find out the best ways to preserve it without altering the chemical and biological nature of the samples. Uh, and then it apparently went back to to Wright Field. We have, we have some very good testimony from people who are involved. We have some very good testimony from the people at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Frankie Rowe, who Carl Flock in his book... Um, took the task and said the Roswell Fire Department wasn't involved in this. And, and we, were ta- we were talking about this a little bit earlier about the press not asking the follow-up question. Carl, in his book, would quote from a firefighter who says, you know, we weren't involved, we didn't do anything, we didn't go out there, uh, end of story. And I talked to the guy sometime after Carl Flock did, and I you know, asked him the same question, got the same story. I, they didn't go out there. And then I asked him one other question. I said, you know Dan Dwyer, which was Frankie Rose's father. He was a firefighter there. He said, oh, yeah, he went out. I said, what? He said, yeah, he went out. Uh, he, uh, this colonel from the base had come out and told us that we didn't have to uh, go out there. They would take care of it. Don't worry about it. I've always wondered why it's always a colonel, never a captain, never a major. It's always a colonel. Uh, came out to tell him that. And he said, but uh, Dan went out in his personal car, and he saw the craft. He saw the bodies. Carl didn't ask the, the question. He got the information he wanted which was the firefighters didn't go out there. They, the fire department wasn't involved. They didn't make a run out there. And that was the end of that. And I asked the one, one more question and, and got the rest of the story out of it. So, yes, I believe that the U.S. government has the alien bodies. I believe they would preserve them because they would be unique biological samples. And you, you don't know when you get more specimens. They uh, would be fairly rare uh, given, given where they came from. So, yes, I believe that the, the government does have alien bodies. Okay, so how do we nail this down to a point where we can prove to anybody this is so? Maybe the evidence points that way, and certainly there are reasons. If there were aliens to think that if there was a crash, we'd recover the bodies and maybe we would try to learn something about them. But how do we prove it? 
what we need to do is, is is find the photographs, find where the bodies are, and 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 get the people who are involved in the autopsies and the studies to admit the truth and and give us all the information about it. What we hope to do with the dream team is not get quite that far, but but establish enough information, establish enough credible information, uh, enough credible evidence that the, the the event took place, and I think we can do that given given some of the uh, some of the stuff that we've uncovered, some of the stuff that's going on, some of the things that have been said in the past. Uh, it, it, but it, for the most part right now, it comes down to the credibility of the people who were, who were there, who, who saw these sorts of things, and eliminate the nonsense that's going on. There's an awful lot of people running around talking about how they were in Roswell and they did this and they did that, and that really complicates the issue because there are people who want to believe them, regardless of the evidence against the, against what they're saying, you know, well, this guy wasn't there. Well, he was. He came in on a special flight, and nothing was logged. Well, if he can't prove he was there, then he does us no good. Uh, that sort of thing. You know, we go with the people who were there. So we need to we need to clarify who was there, who was not. Walter Hott provided us with a wonderful document, which was the yearbook they published. Uh, I think it was actually finally published in November of 1947. So we have a list of some 1,500 people assigned to the base in 1947. So if you say you were in the base, I can go to that book. And if your picture's there, we know you were. If your picture's not there, well, you might have been there, but we don't have the proof. Then we can go to the, the phone book. We can go to the city directory. There are other ways we can, we can verify that. One guy, uh, Daniel Rasmussen, his niece was talking about how he had told her about the craft and the bodies. He had been involved in it. Rasmussen's picture's not in the yearbook, but his name is in the Roswell Army uh, Airfield phone book. He's there as a captain. So, yeah, we can prove that he was there. Pappy Henderson uh, doesn't have an individual picture in the yearbook, but there's a picture in the back of him with his flight crew. So, you know, we know Pappy Henderson. Yeah, he was there. Uh, uh, one guy submitted documents with his, with the names of other guys who were there. Uh, uh, Brown, uh, Melvin Brown, to prove he was there at the right time, submitted a, a, a set of orders he had, and there were a number of people being assigned to specific things. Jesse Marcel Sr.'s name was on, on the orders as one of the officers being involved in that. So there are ways to prove the people were there, and by going through that information and carefully analyzing that information, looking for other documentation, I think we can get to the point where, uh, worst case, we can prove that none of the alternative answers that have been offered for Roswell are viable, and then we're left with a single explanation. Uh, so we, we can do it that way, and I think if we can get far enough down the path, we've got some things going that, that may help us, uh, help us document this even further. You think after all these years, though, that someone somewhere would have a photograph, something you can grab a hold and prove this is true or not. Uh, and we're hoping we're hoping to find that person. Uh, we have talked to a number of people who had debris and have subsequently lost. Robert Smith comes to mind. Um, I guess he didn't have one, but he he saw a piece that a sergeant had, but he couldn't couldn't remember who the sergeant was. Pappy Henderson supposedly had a piece of debris. And we visited, and I say we, I should point out, Stan Friedman and I visited uh, Pappy's wife, Sappho Henderson, in California, 92, 93, and we were going to go through his his materials, and there were two big, huge sheds in the backyard, and he said, it's in there. And these sheds were packed from floor to ceiling with boxes and all kinds of stuff. And she says, if he still had it, it would be in there. And we just 
couldn't do it. We didn't have the time. We didn't. We just could not do that. Um, supposedly, one of his friends, Crumshelter, I think his name was, had a piece of the debris. We tracked that guy down. He said, no, he didn't have it. Um, so, I mean, we, we followed a lot of those, those leads. We followed leads of pictures. Um, a fellow told me that um, uh, a guy named Stanton, he would only give us the first name, a guy named Staten had a picture had pictures. He'd been a cowboy, and he happened to get pictures of these these things before the army showed up. And um, he wouldn't give us the last name. All he would tell us he lived in Roswell. So we went to the tax assessor and says, "Can you sort by first names?" And we're not going to have that answer. Can the tax assessor sort by first names? How efficient was that tax assessor? Kevin Randall will answer the question with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of world customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 
30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Hi, my name is Stephen Hewer. As a degreed nutritionist, my first priority is for you to get healthy. That won't happen if I make wrong recommendations or cause you to spend money on supplements you don't need. After 20 years working with thousands of products and thousands of people, I know, for the most part, what does and does not work. One World Whey is the first and only unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows on the market. It retains substances that no other whey protein powder has. These nutritive compounds supply life-giving nutrition. Your body merely needs the right conditions to make great health happen. Due to low-quality foods, toxicity, and aging, having great health is more of an effort than ever. One World Way is the superfood of the century, and when added to your diet, it promotes energy, detoxification, muscle gains, fat loss, and overall radiant health. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Kevin D. Randall, you go back to the tax assessor. You ask him the critical question. Can you sort by first names? And what was his response? Yes. So we gave him the name. He sorted through it. I think he came up with three hits. Two were businesses, and one was a, was a guy who fit the description. So Don Schmidt and I went and visited him, chatted him up for a couple of hours. He didn't have any pictures. But the, the point was, I mean, we made a real effort to find this guy, and it was just incredible that we could, we could find the guy based only on the – I mean, he had a, a bizarre first name, and we were able to sort by first names and, and get to that. I, we, we, we've chased a lot of that stuff, and we're continuing to chase some of that stuff. One of the things we had not done, because it was a little bit more difficult, was um, back in 1947, the services were segregated. The um, – African-Americans had their own squadrons, and they had Squadron S at Roswell. Uh, there were two white officers in command, and the NCOs and everybody else was, you know, everybody else was uh, African-American. In fact, Cal Korf said that uh, you could dis- disregard um, some of the information because there were no black NCOs at Roswell, black sergeants at Roswell in 1947. And so I got out the yearbook, and I counted, I think, 25 of them. So I said, well, that's that's not right. We have interviewed We've we've been able to find some of some of them as well, and have have gotten some interesting stories, but nothing that that would be uh, good evidence. But you know, the, the point is, we we get to, to some of the people, and they have they have tales that they tell us, and we get to some of the others, and they say, no, I, I know nothing, which is what you would expect in a in a military operation that would end up classified that not everybody would know about it. So, you know, we, we're just trying to put together good eyewitness testimony of what they saw, how they did it. We've eliminated some things, some people that uh, we thought had given us uh, good testimony because their stories just do not track when we sit down. Uh, one guy was talking about how um, they were involved with the craft and the bodies, and it turns out his flight crew wasn't there in the critical time. They had been assigned TDY somewhere else, and we quizzed him about it. I said, well, no, I heard this story from other people. So he wasn't there himself. 
Um, so we say, well, it's a secondhand story, okay, it's interesting, but it doesn't do much for us. So we hope by tracking down some of this stuff, we can put together some very solid eyewitness testimony and we can get some good documentation to back us up. We have limited documentation and we're continuing to search for more. Chris, we have another few questions. We do, and this one's an interesting one. It comes from a brand-new signee, you know, person that formed out the Paracast.com, calling himself OS Prime. He just signed up a couple of weeks ago. Hi, Mr. Kevin. I find all your research and books fascinating and had a couple of questions as being someone that doubts disclosure by the government about aliens, crashes, or conspiracies or anything pertaining to these subjects will happen anytime soon. But he's curious, Kevin. He has an interesting question here. Which do you think would be more accepted or less accepted and have less or more of a negative impact on the world if these aliens and crafts are from another planet galaxy or that all the things we're, we're seeing in the sky are actually here from Earth, like the crypto or ultra-terrestrial, whether it be underwater in the Arctic, uh, caverns and caves, and even the... <laughs> the fantastical hall of earth so which do you think would be uh easier to accept and uh harder to accept i would guess that it would be easier to accept something that was earth-based simply because it's earth-based uh, when you start talking about aliens from other solar systems i don't think it would be other galaxies because the other galaxies are really really far away so, but I don't know. I don't know the the mechanism of traveling these interstellar distances. So, so maybe traveling between galaxies is as simple as traveling between stars. I don't know. You know, there. Before you go on with that answer, there is a story this week from one of the science publications about more and more research being done into using wormholes or some sort of warp drive system to travel between the stars, and how logically it could come about. One of them using negative energy, and I was thinking of Star Trek's. Antimatter. Go ahead, please. But 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 we we talking about travel among the stars. You know, the the closest star to Earth, other than the Sun, is what four light years away, and there's a whole bunch within 50 light years. So that that's fairly close, speaking galactically. But the galaxy is some 110,000 light years across and 30,000 light years deep, and the closest galaxy, full galaxy to us, other than the satellite galaxies around us, is Andromeda, which is what 2.2 million light years away. So, I mean, that's a fantastic distance. I, I don't know if it's as easy to travel those massive dif- distances or we're, we're kind of limited to what we can do based on, based on all that. Uh, but I, I, I think that something that would be Earth-based would not be as disruptive as something that was extraterrestrial. But, but I don't know because I can think of ways in which the, an Earth-based technology like that would be extremely disruptive and maybe more frightening because they were able to hide for so long from us. So, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting question, and I guess the answer is I don't have a good answer. That brings back up that whole question of disclosure and uh, the extent of the government's actual, uh, you know, the quality and, and depth of their knowledge about this. Uh, well, I don't, I don't think the government would lie to us, would they? Do we have any examples in history of the government lying to us at all? Do we have any examples in history where the government has not lied to us? <laughs> yeah. I mean, poor old, poor old Dwight Eisenhower standing there and saying, we're not flying spy planes over the Soviet Union. <laughs> Dwight, this <laughs> Gary Powers here. Meet Gary Powers. He's flying your spy plane over our Soviet Union. Uh, yeah, I don't... I, I, uh, 
disclosure, if, if, if we're talking extraterrestrial, I think disclosure would be forced by the aliens landing someplace where they say, here we are, and there's no way to, um, to, to disguise it. And the government has to say, yeah, well, we've known about this for a long time, so don't worry about it. I mean, they've been coming here for a long time, and they, they haven't, haven't invaded or blown up the White House or anything like that. Um, well, they get Roland Emmerich, the director. He's very good at blowing up the White House. He's done yeah. several films. Yes, yes. I, and I have a very nice picture of the White House I took while I was in Washington. But that's another story. Um, but I think, I think that, that um, you know, the aliens can force disclosure. I think that back in 19, the, the mid-1990s, those of us investigating Roswell had frightened somebody because I can think of no motivation for them to investigate the Roswell case to say there's nothing to it. If we if we hadn't frightened them in some some fashion about what we were discovering and what we were, were getting out, and they had a way to defuse had to defuse the situation, and I think when they first came out with their idiotic reports back then, everybody kind of bought no, nobody really bought into it. But today, everybody says, "Well, yeah, the the government explained uh, the Air Force explained it as a weather balloon, uh, and we're happy with that now." But I think um, you know, I think I think that uh, if we can kind of all come together in, in a consensus of good, solid information, we may force, may force something from the government. But I think the only way it's really going to happen is if the aliens show up and say, here we are. I think the issue I have about disclosure is if there's a secret there, how do they keep it year after year? You have all these political factions. You have all the stuff that's leaking out now about NSA, that there hasn't been some sort of whistleblower that really has something they have to admit, something solid. You wonder about that. We'll get into an answer from Kevin Randall in a moment. The book is Alien Mysteries and Conspiracies and Cover-Ups and that sort of thing. That's not the full title, but I'm just adding a few words to it. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com wouldn't it be nice to have one product that replaces more than 10, saving you space, time, and money? HempUSA.org has a complete full-spectrum vitamin mineral detox formulation called MicroPlant Powder Gold. MicroPlant Powder Gold contains 101 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and iodine, has a 100-year shelf life, and is a perfect addition to any storage shelter. Make MicroPlant Powder Gold your choice. Call 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org today. 
HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle, actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and Nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, Kevin Randall joining us, talking about right now disclosure. So again, it always comes back to this, that if there's guilty knowledge within the government and they have such a heck of a problem keeping things hidden, as we see now with the NSA stuff going on. Why isn't there a guy who gets in there, a Snowden or someone, who gets in there and gets all this information and releases it to WikiLeaks before it can be stopped? We have. Well, we are discussing it. We have had people come out and talk about it. But not in a way that anybody believes, except for, you know, in general, a third of the people in the United States believe that UFOs are real, which would mean they feel they're extraterrestrial. That's just a belief, where we talk about it on shows like this. But, I mean, in a way where the government is forced to say, yeah, that's the leak that they were afraid of. They've got to admit something. I I think they've done such a wonderful job of of hiding the material. And we look at the MJ-12 stuff and say, wow, here's the smoking gun. Government documents proving that there were alien creatures. And And now it's pretty well 
proven that it's a, it's a hoax. So you become, is this a disinformation campaign to keep the idea of ridicule of, of, of going on so that if this documentation does show up, we can just ridicule it like we have in the past? Is it so narrowly held that you don't get somebody like Snowden that has access to it. I'm I'm just I'm stunned that Snowden was able to gain access to as much as he did. He, back in the olden days, before we had computers and you could get access to crack every every kind of thing, your access was really really limited. So that it made sense back then. Um, it may be that they've been very careful in in isolating this material, uh, so that you don't get a Snowden who who is releasing releasing it. Or you end up with, well, this is a disinformation campaign type stuff. So maybe you hire some Secret Service agents, send them over to a Warehouse 13 where they investigate the alien artifacts and the evidence, but it's done in such a way that it just doesn't become obvious to anybody. It's got to be very narrowly, very narrowly controlled, and you've got to be very, very careful about who you bring into it. Um, and I think that... that um, and 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 this this may be the the path to disclosure eventually is that somebody like Snowden gets in there and says you know here's the here's the UFO documents uh, there have been things that have appeared in the UFO documents that are stunning that have been have been leaked there's uh, I've got an FBI report which um, you know the FBI is saying well we didn't investigate really investigate UFOs I got a report from the 1960s in which an FBI agent attended a lecture by I think it was George Van Tassel. You know, the contactee, and he submitted an official report to Washington D.C. about what went on at this uh, UFO lecture that he that uh, Van Tassel gave. So they were clearly investigating stuff. You know, Van Tassel was a contactee. I think he was he was the Venusian guy, and uh, was he the Venusian guy and uh, Adamski the Martian? No, it was the other way around. Van Tassel was the Martian guy, and Adamski was the Venusian guy. But but doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. <laughs> yeah, well, but 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 the point simply is the FBI was was keeping tabs on these guys and seeing what what they said under the guise of of their research. Um, so documents do come out. We've uh, Project Moondust, which was their investigation of returning space debris of foreign manufacture, which could mean extraterrestrial. And when when um, Jeff Bingaman from New Mexico queried the Air Force about Project Moondust, they said there's no such project, never existed. And when the documentation was presented that the State Department accidentally released that says Project Moondust on it, um, the Air Force said, we'd like to modify our last uh, statement. Uh, Moondust did exist. We never used it. Well, in, in the book I've been working on, uh, uh, Secrets of the Government Files, going through Project Blue Book Files, I actually found references to Moondust in the Project Blue Book Files. We were able to, I was able to determine that Moondust began in December of 1958. So this investigation has been going on. You heard, you heard virtually nothing about it. Here's an investigation they denied existed. They were caught in the lies, and and you still don't get anything. Any the, the press isn't interested in that, and, and that might be part of the problem as well. You know, I wrote this fanciful editorial for the Paracast newsletter just the other week, and I suggested that the way this country has been conditioned about the government, about whether we should trust our government. President Obama could deliver a press conference saying, yes, we are aware that there are possible alien visitors in our skies. They don't represent an apparent threat. And most people wouldn't believe it. They'll wonder, gee, what's on Survivor tonight? No, it would be even more disgusting than that. It would be uh, uh, who's on the bachelor, Bachelorette tonight. Who's, who's the Bachelorette? What is, what is Kim Kardashian? And I hesitate to mention that name. What has she done with her baby today? You know? <laughs> Or honey boo boo. 
<laughs> oh, that's even worse. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, uh, everybody, everybody's so interested in, the, in in that sort of or or Alec Alec Baldwin's latest rant on TV. Uh, um, and, and the president says, well, well, there's alien visitation, and they're saying, yeah, but Alec Baldwin was really nasty in this, this rant. <laughs> you know, am I the only person on the planet who enjoyed Alec Baldwin when he played The Shadow? Probably. I think I was the only one to watch the movie. You watched the whole thing? I did. I thought it was over the top because, <laughs> you know, I remember the original character because if you listen on Sirius XM radio. There's something there called when radio was young. And I interviewed this guy, Greg Bell, who runs the show for my tech radio show. And they play the old recordings of the shadow and the lone ranger and Superman and all that stuff. So I got to listen to it. I read a couple of the novels and what they did is they took the character of the shadow for that movie with Alec Baldwin and they exaggerated everything. It was way over the top and maybe that's why it really didn't go down very well. But then if you consider the shadow in the background, it's just Batman Begins. The first part of the shadow resembles Batman Begins. Where Bruce Wayne goes to the Orient or somewhere and discovers the abilities as a fighter to become, you know, forget about the Cape Crusader. Let's go back to disclosure. Okay. Now, what is the best way, if there is a secret to be held, to persuade the government to release it? Now, Leslie Kane feels her method, which is, don't go to the government saying, we know you have a secret, tell us the truth, we know they're spaceships. Don't do that, just give them the evidence and let them draw their own conclusions that naturally follow from the evidence. Force them to accept it, maybe by just overwhelming them. Don't give them conclusions. What do you think? Well, I think I think the way that uh, um, Steve Bassett was doing it with his citizen hearing was it was a good way to to um, bring forward people who were who have some good information to share. Uh, I think I think the missileers, uh, Salas and the boys. Uh, is a good way because you can go back and you can document that. You can document a lot of that stuff that was going on at uh, uh, Maelstrom Air Force Base in, in 1967 and other, other Air Force bases later on. You can document that stuff and you can say, you know, this was a matter of national security at the time. Um, and, and so we can understand why you were less than candid about it. But the documentation exists that these events did take place. In fact, in the, one of the unit histories, it was, after the missiles were shut down by this by this UFO, the the unit history says there were no UFOs involved in this incident. Why even bring it up if there were none involved? You know, uh, so so you know you you can document these sorts of things. And I think I think that is really the way to do it is is present the best evidence that you possibly can. And I think that was what happened in in the mid 1990s on the Roswell case. Is we were getting very close to to the answer, and a lot of people were listening what what we had to say, and the Air Force felt that it, it had to do something to kind of derail the investigation. And they were able to do that with their, with their Project Mogul nonsense. I mean, if you look at the big, thick Roswell report, 
very little of it has to do with the Roswell case. It's all this balloon crap thrown in there that makes it look really impressive and really uh, scientifically investigated. But when you get down to it, it it's really just a, one or two key phrases out of a diary or the field notes of the scientists involved in the Project Mogul releases that, that are key. All the rest is padding to, to disguise what's really being hidden. We'll find out more about what might be hidden away with Kevin Randall joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster. With MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. 
And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, our final segment with Kevin D. Randall, extremely prolific author of over 100 books, including Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies and Cover-Ups, and he's probably got 10 more books he sent to his publisher. Right, Kevin? Yes, and, and there's e-books on Kindle that you can go buy for a song, practically, if, if you want an e-book. So if Chris sings a song, he gets a free book? Uh, to the right people. Probably if he <laughs> sings a song. If I sing a song, they will... Pay me to stop. Uh, probably. <laughs> but he hasn't I mean, heard the, me the sing, but he's... The, the book that we've been talking about, it's on Kindle. There's some other, other uh, books. Uh, Project Blue Book Exposed is on Kindle, and you can get it as an audio book. There's a book called Con- Conversations, which is a bizarre investigation that I had done on... Uh, it turned into a past life regression that dealt with some really bizarre things. So there's some interesting stuff at Kindle, and you can, you can buy the... Uh, latest book there as well and it's cheaper than buying it in a uh, in a bookstore which probably will make barnes and noble really happy i said that and my publisher <laughs> well i can't wait for kindles to come out with a function that every time you you move your finger and and change a page you you hear a page turn and a little puff of newsprint comes out <laughs> well what i think is interesting you can you, if you do it slowly enough you can read the the pages you're turning you read it backwards um you can see it on the other side of the paper when you turn the page. <laughs> it's kind of I was always one of these. I'm not going to get a Kindle. I, I like the the tactile nature of holding the book in my hand, and then I ended up with an iPad, and I got the Kindle app, and it's just great. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's all downhill from there. My my girlfriend just upgraded to the larger eight inch screen, and and she's offered to uh, give me her Kindle, and I've. I've been reading uh, Walter Bosley's uh, latest book on the uh, Sonora Arrow Club, or attempting to. Actually, I've been reading the one prior to that, and I can see the attraction to it because, boy, you can fit a lot of books into that one little tablet. Well, but not only that, not only that. If you if you find a book you want, you don't. Well, I don't have to go to the bookstore. I'll just I just tap on this, and it's sent directly to my my iPad, and I can start reading it within minutes. You know. Yeah, that's true. It is awful convenient. It's interesting how technology just keeps leaping ahead and. Yes. In uh, leaps and bounds, there's no question that it's going to turn the newspaper uh, or and and possibly you know publishing just in in total just totally upside yes. down. Being being an old magazine writer, 
uh, you used to go to the go to the magazine racks and look at all the magazines that were there. And can I write for this magazine and this magazine? And do I have an interest here? And how do you? And now you go to the magazine racks and they're, they're just so reduced. And if you're not interested in tattoos, guitars, cars, or guns, you're screwed. You know, that's <laughs> basically all they publish magazines about anymore. Right, or celebrity gossip. Uh, did they have that? Well, they've got Entertainment Weekly is still yeah, available as a magazine. Uh, Time Magazine is still out as a print version. And how much longer is that going to last? I think a week or two. <laughs> By the way, I was on the I was I was the man of the year twice in uh, on Time Magazine. The year we were in Iraq, it was the American soldier who was the person of the year for Time, and the next year it was it was you. You know, they had to have the the cover with the silver thing on it. With the mirror, it. yeah. Yeah. So we all were the person of the year in Time Magazine. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. We had questions? Well, the question we're going to have here is, I guess, back to disclosure. And let's look at the realistic situation as it stands now. We've had the citizen hearing on disclosure. We have Leslie Kane's efforts to talk to people in the government and the scientific community. How close are we getting the government has no motivation for disclosure. There's no reason for them to disclose, and that's the problem. You know, if the aliens lie, uh, arrive, then they're going to have to. It's going to have to be disclosure because they have no alternative. But at this point, I cannot see a motivation for the government to disclose that there is alien visitation. There's just no motivation for it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, Kevin. And I think there may be a tie-in with other countries coming forward and opening up uh, their uh, UFO files possibly as a way to keep the heat off the U.S., who uh, obviously is sitting on quite a bit of information. But but there's also that other aspect of this that uh, people tend to forget, and that is that much of this information may be in the private sector in the aerospace uh, industry. And, of course, that is out of reach because of, of proprietary knowledge and, and these companies uh, not – you can't – do an FOIA on an aerospace company. Well, you might... FOIA, FOIA doesn't work very well anymore anyway. Yeah. I've, I've, I've sent probably a half dozen requests to the Secretary of the Air Force to talk about their investigation back in the 1995s, and I haven't even got a response. They, they used to send you a card and said, well, we were looking at this. Uh, we, 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 we will get back to you with this. They don't even bother with that anymore. Hmm. So do you think this this whole effort uh, is uh, going by the wayside, that uh, these requests are more and more, um, as more and more requests are being filed, you think uh, they're just being ignored? I think so, yes. I think, I think, that, I think that's exactly what happened. There's no, uh, the teeth have been taken out of the law uh, after, after 9-11. And um, and and they ignore them. I've I've you know I've had some very good luck with with requests uh, through through the internet to the Air Force on a couple of other things, but mostly the the written requests are are being ignored. And and I've talked to some other other uh, researchers about that, and they've said the same thing that FOIA just doesn't work the way it used to. Well, it's funny when we can't even we the people can't uh, don't have recourse to find out what we the people are actually. Uh, you know, should should be privy to if if we make the go through the proper channels and make the proper requests, and and that goes along with with much of what's going on in the country country right now. Well, I, I sent a request. I gave them the title of the document I wanted. I gave them the date. I gave them the who signed it. I gave them all the information about it that you could possibly want, and they wrote back and said, uh, 
your information is incomplete. <laughs> you got the name of the author, you got the title of the document, you got the date of the document, you got where it was issued. What do you? What more do you want? <laughs> yep, I think that's pretty indicative of uh, the FOIA getting watered down, as you put it, and the teeth uh, teeth have gone out of it. It's unfortunate. Well, I suppose if they want an excuse, they can say it's the sequester or they needed more money to go into the NSA data centers, so therefore they don't have enough money for freedom of information requests. And to honor them, Kevin Randall, this may be the final question of the evening here. Is any of this going to happen in our lifetime? Will we get an answer to Roswell? Will we have some kind of disclosure? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we'll have an answer for Roswell here soon with our, our team efforts trying to, trying to uncover stuff. But I, I think eventually we'll have disclosure. We'll know what's going on. Eventually it'll get to the point where it can't be hidden anymore. Uh, we've got we've to remove the ridicule factor from it. Well, if you see a UFO, you must be crazy type stuff. And, and, that's, and that's a very powerful powerful uh, weapon they have against us, making fun of the people who see stuff. And the reporters don't help. I remember um, when, the, when the guys were launching the balloons in New Jersey trying to prove that UFO investigators were credulous and would believe anything. And you've got a news reporter, and she's talking to some little girl with her lollipop and says, uh, what do you think of the aliens? I'm thinking, what possible information can you get from this, this six-year-old kid that uh, is going to be of any value? Well, yeah, she tells you about her UFO abduction, it's going to get pretty crazy. Hey, Kevin Randall, tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you write about. The latest book is out in the bookstores. You can get it there. You can find it on Amazon, of course, as either a hard copy or for your e-reader. And I'm sure Barnes & Noble has, has it uh, on their Nook as well. So it's, it's all the e-readers available. You can just go to uh, Kindle, type in Kevin Randall. You can take a look at all the books that I have available on, on Kindle. And you have a blog. Yes, I do. Thank you. It's called A Different Perspective. It's at uh, kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And uh, there's a lot of information. I did a lot of stuff about the um, citizen hearing after I got back from, from there. And uh, some things that we, that we found out since then and, and some discussion of the uh, pre-Arnold 1947 UFO sightings. And you can find Chris' stuff over at OurStrangePlanet.com. That's OurStrangePlanet.com. It's still being updated. You can find us at TheParacast.com. That's TheParacast.com. There is a Paracast fan club, two of them, in fact, on Facebook. Maybe someday we'll learn to make it one. And, of course, you can check us on Twitter, where we're known as the Paracast. And, by the way, in a future episode, we're going to bring you up to date on the incredible Cash Landrum UFO case from 1980, coming in the next couple of weeks, and lots more. With Gene and Chris, a special thank you to Kevin Randall. Thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy the opportunity to share what I have found in the last few weeks. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.